welcome to the Real Estate Addicts Podcast with your hosts, Dan Rubin, HRV Homes, Ray Herto, HRV Homes, Mark Svatsky, Choose Boston. And I think uh, this is going to be part two of the This or That episode right. series. What's up, guys? Um, what's up? What's up? You guys ready for part two? Yeah. We're joining the debate by in our part guests. one. So I think, I think, yeah, I think in, uh, in part one, we were in the middle of interior finishes. So do we want to keep moving through, through interior and get to maybe exterior? We can, we can definitely do that. Um, where did we leave part two, where we tell you what we like better and why, and we have black hole debates where we just go on forever. (laughs) Try not to. So. So I think we were, we, we left off what I think it engineered hardwood or real hardwood. And I think that there was something that came out of that was baseboard install before floors or after. Okay. I'll take this one. I'm going to say baseboard after floors. Mm. Strong believer in that. Uh, I will say again, I think it depends on the floor type. I think if you're doing real wood i i typically like to do it before if i'm doing engineered after here here's my logic is that you know i do think it's sinful when a floor is waves and creates a gap underneath the base baseboard and in theory your finished carpenter should cope that cut on the baseboard so that it matches exactly but i just don't think that that is so sinful I think that what is worse and what I've seen that really hurts my eyes is when the wood floor guys miss or mess up the cut adjacent to the baseboard. So you end up with something like needing quarter round, um, which is awful. Um, Or otherwise, you know. So there's, yeah. I mean, I think that you're going to get a really, it's going to get real, it's going to be really tight on the edge where obviously you're starting the floor. But I think to both those points, I think if you don't have a good enough floor installer or you don't have enough, a good enough finished carpenter, it can, it's even more sinful on the flip side as well. Right. I have more confidence in my finished carpenter than my wood floor guy to get it exactly right. And secondly, we talked about expansion, contraction, and, you know, the pretty big swings in New England. And, And if you just butt the floor up tight to the to the baseboard, you're not really leaving yourself much and you could be prone to, uh, to buckling or other, other challenges. Yeah. So. The, the, you'll, you'll find that on the walls where the base and the floor are running parallel to each mm-hmm. other when that swelling does happen. And again, mm-hmm. that's all a function of when things are installed mm-hmm. and acclimation, you could end up with pressure, expanding pressure on the bottom of your floors and against the bottom of that base which would push the top of the base out, which we've seen, I think. Well, we've, we've seen it also where it's like, if you have your finished guy going in and installing the base and he runs out of finish nails for a couple of the hits. Mm. So that it makes that, that also uh, could affect. Uh, let's, let's put that installation error aside. All right. That's a good <laughs> quick hit. I'm going to stick with my pick. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like, oh man, I like the base first and butting the floors up to it if it's engineered. But if it's real, I'm putting the floors down and then put the put the base over it. And I will caveat the whole Wait, thing. What? I'm the reverse. And it, that's fine. And and with my my last caveat caveat is if the floors are so messed up, if it's like a gut reno or something, mm-hmm. then I would 
definitely put the base first and then the floors regardless of the product. And I would just leave a little extra space, perhaps not throw a quote around, but I don't know. I just, I just can't see a finished carpenter trying to cope those floors and trying to take a wave out. If it's that bad, do your best, okay, well, do your best and cut the rest. <laughs> well, here's the other thing though, Mark, like if, <laughs> uh, coping a floor on in a hundred year old house where the, where the floors are like all wonky yeah, can be yeah. tough too. It right? is. No, it's all, you know what? If there's a little gap and you have to caulk it and it's not the back bay of the South end, it's also not the end of the world, but well, the back bay of South end, you're, you're placing all the joists anyway. So oh, yeah. All right. Floating vanity or traditional, let's call it floor mounted vanity. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> I think a floating and... vanity looks nicer, but I hate the installation and, operation why? of one. Why do you hate the installation? Mainly because when you have to take into consideration, you're losing lower storage and you're gaining obviously a cleaner look, but when you're installing it, your plumbing better be in the right spot and you better not have a drawer that's going to interfere with the drain line and the sink. So basically you run out of room and yep. more on more than one occasion, there's been issues with having to like, well, you better get, cut, you better get elevate, you better get elevations if you're doing a uh, floating vanity and, and make sure yep. triple check where your plumber's putting his stuff. Yeah. Right. There's much less margin for error on the installation of all the plumbing rough right. floating vanity. I think that I would pick floating vanity with the caveat that it has to be executed well. Like a floating vanity looks cleaner. It makes the bathroom feel bigger. It's easier to clean under it as long as it's all done well. You know, you see a bad. But I still think you can get a you can get a really good looking traditional vanity. Like uh, to me, it all depends on the build and the and the style of the of the building and kind of what you're going for. Like if you're, if it's a tight unit and you need more storage, then you don't do floating. But if you have a big unit or you have like, I, I don't know, it's, I, I, I swing back. I can't, I can't, I guess I can't answer this. <laughs> All right. And give me costs. Go typical guest bath. Let's just call it a 36 inch or a 30 inch vanity. And then give me a master bath at uh, 60, 50. Well, is, it, is it floating or not? Carry them both traditional. What, what do you figure? I would say 60 inch double, it can range 700 to 2000, like depending on the quality. And I mean, but if I'm carrying a number early in a budget, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a thousand bucks for that double vanity. Then I'm going to add for a countertop and I'm going to add more for a sink. That's my master. I think that the, the, the guest bath maybe is closer to 600. Yeah. I I was going to say, 500 to 600 bucks for them, the guests. And, and then, we're not talking about vanities with tops. We're talking about just the, the boxes, yeah. right? That can be very effective as buying that, you know, like Tim from Imperial uh, sells a really nice product. Vanity box plus an integral top with an integral sink. And it's all right there. There's no, you know, template and install from your countertop guy or buying a separate sink. And in, in which case I'd carry pretty close to those same numbers and you just don't have the added expense. I mean, the downfall is that it needs to fit. If you have a 55 inch vanity, you can't just use a little bit of filler. It's, it's either comes in 50 or 60, it's vanilla or chocolate. The other thing that you got to be careful about there too, is if your walls aren't completely, there's no, like a lot of times there's no fillers involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, sometimes you're only going to get a rear backsplash. So if it's, you know, if you have, if you want a side 
a backsplash on like the side wall as well. You're not going to get that. So it depends on, um, it's going to be, again, it all comes down to execution. It's going to be executed well, if you're going to do that. All right. Well, this or that, Ray, what do you take? I'm taking traditional. I can't do a this or that. Right, I'm taking floating. Ear wimped in. I can't. I, I'll, he, I has his, he has his reasons. Yeah. He's got oh, good reasons. Yeah, yeah, Thanks he's for defending no, me, Ray. I'm there for you, buddy. No guts. <laughs> if it wasn't clear right. on the JV thing, we're a team. Yeah. Right, the last one. Partners so so gas cooking versus electric cooking. Yeah. So electric being condu- conduction. Uh, conduction. Conduction. Induction. Um, induction. Uh, yeah. So you need special pots. <laughs> You're like pans. convection oven cooking. <laughs> Begins with the same. Gas. Gas only. So you're talking about for, just cook. You're talking about cook top, not oven. Yeah, correct. I mean, this. I think we don't spend a lot of time here, but I feel as though gas is more marketable. The problem is that you know we all know that induction cooking is quicker to boil a pot of water. It's more sensitive to minute adjustments, and um, a professional chef would take it every day of the week over gas. But there is just something to that buyer coming and seeing a flame and turning the pilot and hearing the click. It's like, it's, it's what's expected. So I'm, I'm going to pick gas. Yeah. I'm not. I, I think I, I think I would, I would agree with you there. I also think that, um, induction, obviously the, the requirements from an electrical standpoint are high, much higher. So you got to have dedicated circuits and make, you know, make sure all that is done. I mean, we've, we've, We've had issues where we've roughed for just a gas, a traditional gas range, and they only had a hybrid model in place. And then we had to, it was, it was a disaster. But anyway, I would agree with gas, gas. Nice. And if I'm not setting off a smoke detector, I'm not cooking. So give me the gas. Yeah. <laughs> Partly that into hoods. You go a chimney hood, uh, you do a concealed hood, or you do like a shroud, like one of those custom built uh, enclosures. This, that, or that. Oh, well, again, I don't like, I don't like, well, I don't like, the, I, we've done the chimney hoods and I've started to shy away from them. I'd say again, you know, install tip on the, you have way less play on a chimney hood than you do on a lot of these other inserts or custom hood situations, because a lot of the inserts you have a lot of, you know, you have play in the cabinet above from a ventilation standpoint with a chimney hood, you only have a small box, a small chimney. And if, if you don't catch that in the exact location, you're in trouble. I'm going to sell the chimney hood, the stainless steel chimney hood. I just think it, uh, it's a little bit 90s and, uh, and, and I'm buying the shrouded hood or the concealed hood. And I'm a personal fan of concealed. So that's my pick. Yes, I agree. I'll triple down on that. Nice. Wow. We all agree. French door refrigerator versus what do we want to call it? A typical refrigerator? Like also top, top freezer? Like a, a No, standard. not top freezer. Just like, you know, a single door versus two door French door okay. refrigerator. So they'll still have the freezer on the bottom. Yeah. Fre- French door, right? Like why, why would you not? A- uh, I don't know. I guess if you're going to panel it, it's going to be cleaner to have one door. We just, we just installed one in a, in a project, a single door. And mm. I kind of like, and it's paneled and I, mm. I, I kind of like the look. Okay. 
I don't know if you lose real estate by having two doors. I feel like you would because you've got that seam down the middle. And I think you lose a little bit of space with the edges. You lose probably four inches between the the gap on the inside. It's negligible though. Yeah. Well, I defer to you guys. I have nothing insightful to add to this question. You guys are Uh, taking... No decision. I, again, no decision. Because okay. then there's also, there's also, you also have like the, on the higher iron stuff, you also have the big modular ones, right? So you have like a full height fridge and then a full height freezer. I always think it is funny how people love to talk appliances. Like any dinner party where I talk about what I do, it's like the first topic of conversation is appliances. Like if you want to be in this space, you better know your appliances. Oh, because I mean, what are you, what are people use? I mean, out of anything in their home other than the TV, yeah. like what are people using the most? It's like right. they're in their kitchen. Right. And you're not going to really understand engineering and iJoyce versus open web truss or whatever other considerations. But if you say to me like, hey, how do you feel about Gen Air versus Sub-Zero or Gen Air versus Thermador? You know, it's like, yeah. it's a good conversation. <laughs> it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. <laughs> with all that being said, with all that being said, I'm going to go French door because I like the fact that when you open it, it doesn't take up as much real estate swinging out. That's good. I also will say though, if, uh, if you have kids, it's a lot easier to open a French door than a massive single door. Hmm. It's much heavier. And you're probably holding one of the kids in your hand. No, I'm talking about if the, if the kid is actually opening oh. it, like a young child. Oh, I was wondering what the kid well, had to do. That with may be a reason fridge. to go for the other. So you can't get into. Correct. Oh, uh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I would, I don't know. I would, whatever. All right, let's um, but, nobody, but nobody is saying side by side fridge freezer all the way top and down, up and down. Oh, I mean, if I would do that in sure. my home, if I had the oh, space. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going space. like a dedicated freezer column. Correct. Like, for, like, Instead of a bottom freezer. Just yeah. left yeah. side freezer. That's right awesome. Fridge. Yeah. 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 Also add to that wine column. I've, I've been seeing these more often. Like Sub-Zero makes one. Those are just, those are sexy. They're basically like a, the height of a pantry, like full height. And, uh, you know, you get them in any width you want, but um, you better have a lot of bottles of wine to show off. <laughs> yeah. You're a, you're a drinker. That's <laughs> you cannot purchase that $5,000 appliance and have seven bottles of shitty wine in it. Put some barefoot. You're going to spend just as much on the wine as you are on the uh, appliance. People would come to my house and be like, why do you have Spindrift in your Sub-Zero? It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't drink <laughs> wine. Drift. Box, box wines where it's at, boys. You know, you ever play slap bag? Slap the bag. <laughs> okay. So sticking stick with kitchens? Let's say MDF cabinets versus plywood cabinets. I, some strong feelings here. I don't think it matters I, anymore. I don't think it does. I agree with you, Ray. I, yeah. I was going to say, we've been, we used to do all plywood boxes. I think almost, I think any, if you're buying American made products, mm-hmm. I think everyone will tout the plywood box. But I think if any like European cabinet that you're buying, it's all MDF now. Yeah. But no. it can't be that garbage MDF. It's got to be the, the new and yeah. improved stuff, just to be clear. Because nobody wants the garbage MDF where a drop of water gets on it and then it explodes. Right. And now let's go to this, that, or that. The finish of the cabinet door, painted assumes that it's a wood door. Then you can go to veneer. So I was looking at veneers earlier. You know, it's just what it sounds like. It's a very thin slice of wood and it's, it's typically this glued. It's applied. Yeah. Applied. Uh, or option C is a thermofoil, which is uh, almost applied in, in a heat process where it's like suction pulled around the door. Think IKEA. 
And they all have- Well, no, Ikea has multiple options now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they they are known for their white thermofoil. If you just close your eyes and picture Ikea kitchen, you probably picture. I mean, I I do know this because I just bought some lowers from them. Yeah. So I I looked at their options and they do offer now- a like uh, a good, better, best type yeah. thing where like their thermo the thermofoil is their like mid grade now. My magic bullet here. I bring this one up because I want to share my answer. I like to go veneer on my flat slab door. It's tough. I like to do like different interesting things with the cabinet door. It's tough to get a veneer door to do to do a lot of really interesting things. But then when I then I'll I'll parlay that with a real wood door somewhere else and paint it. You know, pick a Benjamin Moore color and it'll go through the paint booth sprayer and and I think that's a pretty good cost effective uh, win. Yeah, again, it I think it depends if it's if there's any detailing in the door, mm-hmm. then I I kind of like I kind of I don't really like the painted look because I think you can see gaps and I think that it kind of can look cheap sometimes. If it's a if it's a flat door that that you're doing, then I think you can get away with with it being painted. So I don't know. Um, Let's do that it, one again. It depends. MDF molding. We're going to stay interior. We're going to stay MDF versus finger jointed pine PFJ. You're talking baseboards. You're talking window trim. Where do you go with this? This is a decision on every single job, right, Dan? Pine. Pine. PFJ being primed finger, finger joint. jointed. Yeah. It's pine. It's a, it's a pain. Pre-primed. <laughs> Pre-primed pine <laughs> finger joint. I, I, you said finger jointed prime. Yeah, no, you got to go the real deal on that. MDF is uh, no bueno on that application. I'm, I'm going to take MDF and I'm going to run it everywhere except the bathrooms. I just, again, I think it's like the cabinet discussion. I think it's gotten much better. I think lumber prices right now are obscene. And this we'll is take one that way. out of the equation. Is that that big of a factor? Right. I, I think it's, I think thing. MDF is, I don't know. I think MDF is, there's no way to touch it up. You, it's so hard to have the caulk like make I mean, it the back. Old this goes back, that. Mark, this goes back to, to your, to your closet yeah. comment where if, if you go in and you see that a closet is not textured, then you think it's cheap. But I would say the same thing about trim. But I'll take the other side because I don't think your typical buyer knows the difference between a painted baseboard, which is MDF or pine. Until they, move, until they move in or they kick it and it dings and dents and you can't patch it. Maybe. Agree to disagree. I think that this is an area where you can go ahead and save money, assuming you're not in the South End or Back Bay or some ritzy, very high-end product. Okay. I know I would agree. I would agree. It depends on the build. Yeah. Rental MDF all day, obviously. But uh, Let's talk shower drains. You guys have been doing a lot of trench shower drains. Um, like a linear drain? Linear drain, yeah. And, and also curb list. That's another thing we talked about. But let's stay, let's stay on linear drain versus typical drain. What, what do you see as the premium? What do you see as the challenges with constructability? And which one would you pick? I like the look of a linear drain. I think they're they're really sleek. If you you need to have an installer, you need to have a tot your tiler needs to know what they're doing because if you botch the install, then it could look really, really bad. But I really like the look. I think that you know you can get all different widths now. You can get 
You can get them where you can do like a custom cut or you can, you can fit it on site. So it goes from, from side to side. There's no gaps at all. We just did that in, in a build and it's a really cool look. But again, I think, I think you need to educate your buyers because on, on how to clean them and everything, because a lot of the linear drains come with like a key that you stick under that helps you lift it up that you can access all the tray underneath and, and access, you know, Mm -hmm. drain and everything. So you just need to make sure you educate your, your buyer on how to, how to open that up and clean it from what, from time to time. But I think it's, I think it's a fantastic look and I think more and more people are, are liking it. The other cool thing is instead of having to pitch your shower, mm. you know, all the way around into the middle, you just have to pitch it one direction. You basically just pitch point. it from one side to the other. I literally Although if you don't, if you don't have the drain extend the entire width of the shower, then you might have to pitch it a little bit mm. on the edges, but, but it's, I don't know. I, I kind of, We've been using it more and more. Every almost every master bathroom or every master shower we're doing it now is linear. And what do you mm-hmm. figure on cost? That depends. It, I think take your five think, foot by three foot shower with a uh, let's say a polished chrome finish. And is but, it is the insert a tile insert or yeah. is it? It's um, not. It's not. Uh, it's not just like a great, like a, a great, like a great. Like yeah, finish. it's the whole. It's the whole thing. You have to. You have, I think you have to buy it all together. You do, but you can buy the. It's more expensive if you buy like the actual. If you buy like stainless steel grate instead of like having it where just you're tile or just. <laughs> he's not. He's not the numbers guy. I usually am, <laughs> right, and I'll tell you that there's 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 like a big name manufacturer out there. I'm not going to name them, but they're the most expensive. So I think you can do it for about 50% of the material cost. You're still looking at a couple grand just for the hardware. A couple it's grand really on hard. the trench drain? Yeah. No way. No. I think the a trench. thousand. No. When we first, when, if you do the brand name, you're looking at that. You can cut that you, in half with non-brand name or a not as recognized brand way name. Less, way I less. I think you're confusing half. our listeners. You're probably talking about a Curdy system, like where it's no. all integrated. You're just, talking just about the five. linear drain. Ray, look at the cost of our last project. I, I'll look at them. And, and while we're doing that, I think it also depends. You're t- you have to take everything into account. You can't just look at the cost of the hardware. You have to take into account the extra work from the tile, the extra work for prepping. He's, it. Not, he's not charging you more money for that. And any consideration if you're going to go curbless or not, because if you're going to go curbless, you have framing considerations. We're not talking, yeah, you're, but we're you're not confusing talking all of our listeners, Ray. I know curbless. I'm going to confuse them. Threshold, a shower with a threshold or a curbless is two way different things. We're just talking about a central drain or a trench drain. And, and a trench drain can be bought for under 500 bucks, probably 300. I would say yes. It depends on the size, but 300 for an average three by five shower. Correct. I'm just trying to find it. All right. Well, so you'll have looking. to come back. While you're looking, we're going to go to pop-up drains. <laughs> what about curb, curb or curbless? It's a pain in the ass to go curbless, but... New construction curbless. Yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, obviously, it's, renovation, it's very, very difficult. It's an awesome pain look. Pain in the ass. Awesome look. Pop-up drains versus typical drains, and I think this should be the easiest and quickest topic of the day. 
traditional drains being the thing where you like push the plunger and the drain body comes up either in a bathtub or a sink. I just throw those away now. I won't even go near them. The price on the linear drain is uh, very different than what I expected. Dog on a bone. We wanted the brand name before, and it was very expensive. You can get it for under three hundred. All right, hey, there you go. But I'm just saying, there's other considerations and aspects of the job. It's not just oh, this is the cost of the drain. My life is done. There's it's a it's going to depend on your installer. Well, we'll do an entire episode about this, and we can talk about that for (laughs) fifty five minutes. But for now, just want you to. Make up and listen. I'm, I'm not. I'm not anti-linear uh, drain. I, I think it looks nice, and I agree with all the points that Dan made. That's. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. It's no. I know. I know. You gotta. You gotta just have people that have done this before. For sure. All right. So pop-up drains, always at a at a bathtub or a sink. Just go with a pop-up drain. The fucking the the little toggle thing always breaks. It's impossible to install. Your plumber will just hug you if you give them pop-up drains. I, I don't like a pop-up drain. That's Are you cheap. kidding? No. I'm talking about the one where like little you pop it down, pop it up. I'm not yeah. doing that. No. Oh, versus rental, versus rental the thing behind the, the sink. If yeah. You have to pull it to pull the thing down. Right. He's saying get rid of that. He's saying just oh, use I the like one the pop-up. I like the pop-up. I, I like that you just push the push the drain and it pops up. And then you push it again and it stops locks yeah. yeah yeah i like that too yeah i like the other one i like to struggle oh ray's a contrarian i think we're we're two-thirds through this list and that's what i've come to come to find out all right we're back to kitchens. ray is his own person indeed and that's why He's we a love very him. special person that's why we love him <laughs> islands versus peninsulas oh we're going back to kitchens yeah it's an easy one right Let's let's all peninsulas. I I mean, if you have to, they have a time and a place. But if you can do an island, it's just it's sexier. Yeah, a big island. You can do a lot of things with islands now. Like people are doing. Have you done a double island before? I have. I went as a buyer request on a project. I I'm not sure I get it, but I did it. It, I guess if you have like a massive space, but like. Right. I, I, I think developing it. in the city, there's not enough space to have one of those, but I can see how it would make more sense in more spacious environment. I, I would say I don't, God, you got to gravitate between island and peninsula. See, I think every situation is different. So I'm okay with if either, depending on If you're, if you're forced, it. then you do the peninsula. If, if I but, need the space, right, then I'm yeah. going to have to do it. No, I mean, there's kitchens that need, that rely on it. I like it better than a galley kitchen. Put it that way. Like if if the choice is between just one. Well, galley is like worst case scenario every (laughs) time. I think I meant by galley, just like one primary run of cabinets. Like sure, out of peninsula. I I will say this. I was turned off by a galley and it wasn't in the kitchen. It was between the kitchen and a bedroom. But once I lived with it for a few years, Mm -hmm. I loved it. So much space. You don't have any actual appliances or anything there, oh. but you can store so much stuff. Because you, cabinet, you have cabinets on both sides. You have cabinets on both sides. But that's more of like a pantry. <laughs> it's basically a walkthrough pantry. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I, I'd love to see more of that, to be honest. I think there is something interesting going on whereby um, like open concept, open concept, open concept. I think people are sort of starting to realize like sometimes it's not always good for everyone to see how the sausage is proverbially made. <laughs> and a little bit of separation from your living room isn't, isn't always terrible for the kitchen. 
And yeah. and the other thing I like to point out is I, I I think that if it is totally open and it's all within one eye shot, your kitchen better be really nice. It's like it's got to be as nice as the furniture in your living room. It is a piece of your living room now. Right. Yeah. I digress. So do you want to stay in the kitchen and do quartz versus granite or? Yeah, it's like a quick, easy one. You give us, give us the highlight there. You, every- well, well, there's also, you can do this, that, or that. You can do quartz Quartzite. versus granite versus quartzite versus marble. Oh God. Yeah, we could go all day. What's your pick on all four of those? Just, just pick one. I would either do quartz or quartzite. Although I've been thinking about doing porcelain. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like, so porcelain neolith is a porcelain yeah. product or uh, porcelain also makes a product called X-Tone, which is uh, uh, porcelain. And it's about, if a typical countertop is three centimeters, the porcelain is one centimeter. It's very European. It's very sleek. I'm not sure that it's ready for it. I, uh, I was going to say, like, I, you see it a lot now in luxury new builds in like New York City and DC and Miami and things like that, but you don't, I feel like Boston, it takes forever to get for things to catch up here. But at the same time, our, our countertop installer that we use told us that they won't warranty porcelain countertop yeah. installs in kitchens because it's so thin that someone could, you could drop something on it. could It could shatter or, or chip or break, crack easily. What are your pet peeves with regards to countertops when you walk uh, open house on a Sunday? What are things that you see that offend you? Uh, location of seams, if there are, yeah. uh, not mat, not grain matching, if yes. there's a waterfall. Yeah, that's, that's atrocious. Um, if they're doing some like weird edging. Yes, like I'm glad you going. said that one. <laughs> like <laughs> just do an eased know. edge. Absent like some really good reason to do something elaborate on your edge, just do an eased edge. Yeah, I'm easier doing, oh, yeah, I'm little doing pen, yeah, I'm doing a pencil or an eased edge. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think th- those are kind of the big, the big hits that I typically see. Uh, yeah. All right. You, what do you look for? You know, the only one, I'd, your list is great, but I, I'd say speckled quartz. Like, oh. uh, you know, it's, it's that like, it's not white. It's not, it's not it's this It's basically color. the it's cheapest like, quartz you can buy. Yeah. It's like someone, it's like got sand in it. It's just weird. Um, yeah. But... I, the technology, I would say, on some of this, some of the quartz and or neolith now is incredible. Mm-hmm. They're getting they're getting closer and closer and closer to making it look like real stone. I'm using this Calcutta gold quartz for for my project right now, and uh, it's like the Cindy Crawford edition. You know, it it looks so good. It's just like, yeah, I'm excited. Okay, moving back into the living room to to, to finish carpentry. Dry, do you guys want to hit like an exterior? We've been on interior finishes for a while. Let's just go. Yeah, we can hit up. We can, three we can jump back to exterior. All right, we're going to go three exterior. And I think we got, got time for this. And then we'll wrap. Uh, fiberglass windows or wood windows or vinyl windows. This that, about on, on, the, on the inside? No, outside? I mean, they're windows. You know, are, you, are you buying vinyl windows? Are you buying fiberglass windows? Or are you going for it and purchasing wood windows? Oh, you're saying the wood because yeah, they make. Windows I was talking about yeah, both sides see, can I see, be I different. See, I see. Like yeah. you can get an all vinyl window, oh, or like inside yeah. and outside. Or- yeah, mm. no doubt. <laughs> um, I mean, a nice. I think 
wood inside, fiberglass outside is pretty nice. That's kind of like that's, the best of that's all what, worlds. Yeah, that's what we've been typically doing in a lot of our builds. Yeah. I think that if you are doing a budget build, then you're going to do vinyl, obviously, um, all vinyl. Um, I don't, I, I mean, unless you're doing, unless you have some type of, unless you're doing like a really high-end build or you have historical requirements, yeah. I, I mean, would you ever wood, do a wood, wood all wood? Crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would really caution against vinyl windows. It's like, if I can spare the penny, like go to at least fire all fiberglass, vinyl windows just don't perform well, in my opinion. You really have to install them right. I've seen them, the the jams can kind of warp in there. They they can hardly support themselves. And <laughs> it's similar to uh, it's similar to the hardwood floor uh, analogy, where like or, or or comparison where like it depends. Like if you're living in New England and you have that wild weather, mm-hmm. like the swings in the weather, vinyl like moves. Vinyl like will will swell and contract mm-hmm. and and it's not great. Do you guys go for awning windows or double hung windows? This or that? I mean, or I think I make, excuse me, casement windows or yeah. double hung Yeah, it's windows. casement. Yeah, it, it depends on the build. We've, we've done builds where um, we've done a hybrid of both. We've done builds where it's just all double hung or we've done a build with, where it's all casement. I think it depends mm-hmm. on the style of the home. Indeed. I think one benefit of a casement window that's not obvious is it performs better acoustically. So on a double hung window, you have what's called a, a meeting rail. And the meeting rail is what it sounds like. It's where the top sash meets the middle bottom. And that's a real point of vulnerability in terms of uh, sound penetration. So you're going to get a better acoustical seal from a, from a casement. Yep. Probably thermal performance. Casements are more expensive though, right? I would think so. Like if you're just going to budget for a double hung window, you know, maybe it's 200, 250 bucks. But I think if I'm just picking a number out of a hat for a, the same size casement, it's probably more like 400. Cool. Staying with exterior. Hardy Hang planks. on a second. Hang on yeah. a second. For the windows, would you do, have you ever done a corner window? I have. Yeah. How was that? It's a great yeah. question. Because that's got to be hard from, uh, there's got to be some structural considerations for that, right? Or is that built into uh, the window somehow? Absolutely. So any window of a certain size typically, I mean, often has a structural mullion and no different from a, for a corner window. When I see a corner window on an early rendering from an architect, it is the easiest value engineering decision. To me, it's like put a column there, a wood, like a column and just a little bit of wall and then make that corner window, which is very custom and very expensive two windows, one on each elevation with a little bit of wall that most people can't even tell that you, uh, you know, found some savings that way. What are you talking about a little bit of wall? How many inches? I mean, enough, like four inches in either direction, enough for a trim and, and to get some flat tape and make it waterproof. But, um, the problem with those corner windows is they, they're a long lead item. They're very custom. As I said, they're expensive. There are structural things to think about. I don't like it. And what about what about from a like a water intrusion standpoint? Like, is it one? Yeah. Is it typically one piece that comes in, or is it two pieces that get kind of mauled together in the corner? Yeah, the one I did was one piece. Field mold versus factory mold is a good this or that, and it's an obvious one. Factory mold every single oh, time yeah. if I can help it. 
anything you can do in the factory. But always ask the question, because I have like, especially early in my career, been surprised. Like the big window showed up and it was in three pieces. And I was like, oh, damn it. Whereas if you just <laughs> asked and requested it, it could have been done and delivered to you as one unit. It's just like, it's just like when, you, if you don't request that your, um, that your uh, screens get shipped separately from your windows, they all yes. get shipped. Yep. That's a, that's, a, that's a good pro tip. Yeah, you always want to ask for your screens to get shipped separately. So when do you take your screens? What, this, what, when what you're you under agreement? <laughs> <laughs> when do you mean? The second they get dropped off, the day they get dropped off, I take them. And do you go full height screen or half height? If it's a, if, assuming it's a double hung window. Uh, it's full usually, right? Uh, it's usually full. I think the city now wants half, half screens. Do they? Yeah. BPDA? Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, all right. So good, good window discussion there. Um, black, black windows, right? That was another question from IG. Black on black, black exterior, white interior. What do you, what do you like? What do you usually do, you do black exterior, white interior has kind of been the trend. I, I'm doing I've seen black more people. Black. Are you? Yeah, I'm going for it. Is it. Are you doing a wood interior so people can always paint it if they want? It's actually an all fiberglass window. I think it looks really good. They're all installed now. I'm like, I'm very happy with them. It's actually a, a Pella window. It's a cool look. I just worry about like in the future, if you ever want to change it. I don't know why you would though. Like, I think the average consumer wouldn't. You, you might, man. <clears throat> yeah. I have no preference. Do you guys trim? Do you guys, correctly. Do you guys yes. go drywall returns or you, you go, uh, you know, full trim details around the uh, head jam and sill uh, on the interior of the window? Trim. Trim it. Yeah. Trim it out. Uh, yeah. Trim it out. We usually do like a sill, an apron, and then picture frame. You know, I'll take the other side on this and I'll, I'll, I'll hedge a little, but uh, I say, I say go a really nice wood sill, like a white oak stain to match the floors and then drywall return uh, up the jams and across the head. I think that that's, I've done that very successfully. I, I think. Yeah. It's a cool look. I mean, what would you do? Would you do, would you do doors that way ever? No, I've never, I've never seen that on a, on a door, but I mean, I, what I've seen is the trimless doors in a very modern yeah, application. The trimless, yeah, the trimless <laughs> doors. Yeah, they're very hard to execute. I mean, I've seen, like, I, I think NS does that well. I've seen that detail in Nick's uh, stories a number of times, but yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to execute. All right, back to exterior. And we'll hit this and we'll wrap it up. Our favorite exterior uh, material, Hardy Plank. And we're going to go Hardy Plank versus a newer product, LP Smart Side Lap Siding. LP Smart Siding. Hardy Plank. I don't think we have any experience with Smart Side. We've been a Hardy, Hardy team, Hardy company. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty loyal to Hardy. I was pitched the LP and Garrett Max, from our friends from On Point, uh, have been using the LP and evangelizing a bit. And, uh, I get it. I think that the benefits as I perceive them are you get, um, you take a big piece of hardy and you put it on your shoulder and it just cracks. It just breaks. It's yeah. brittle. So the LP comes in like a 14 or 16 foot stick and you could shake it up and down like a shake weight and it's not going to break. <laughs> shake weight. Super rigid, right? Yeah. Super rigid. Interesting. I care more about the performance of it in two respects. The first respect is with the paint. I know 
I would guess we'll call it Hardy V1 had some delamination or some paint, not fading, but the, but it's almost like the application came off. And I guess that was a big issue with their first version. That's obviously been corrected for a while. The second biggest thing is if you have these long runs of Hardy and all of the nails are to be obviously done above each lap. So there's no visible, you're not supposed to face nail them. You're not supposed to, to do any of that. Then, you know, you shouldn't, when a gust of wind comes through here, you shouldn't hear it kind of clapping. So in that regard, I'd say, you know, the beefier a product you can get, the better. But obviously there's a huge cost delta on that as well. Because we did the Hardy Artisan series and that thing is legit. It's like twice as thick. But yeah. I don't know if the LP product suffers from the same wind-related noise. Well, I think that also depends on the, the size of the siding too. We're, we're, yeah, your reveal, like, you know, a four versus a six or do they even go to seven or eight? I can't remember. Maybe on like a real commercial. What size reveal? Outside, is, what size reveal do you I was just asking. Four inch, four inch reveal. You know, you can save a couple dollars by going to a bigger reveal on like a podium building or something of any real scale or size. But if it's a more small scale residential project, like you're not saving a ton of dough. Have um, you ever mitered your, your corners? At, you know, I've never done the artisan miter, but what I do like and uh, I think is is a real win is this product by a group out of Seattle called uh, Pro Siding Accessories. And what they'll make are these little um, aluminum corners and they're color matched to each standard hardy color. And they accept the two pieces of hardy coming to, to meet the corner. And if you don't have your nose right up to the product, it looks like a woven corner. So at every single lap, the cider will just put this one corner piece on, hit it with a nail, and move to the next one and, and, and go all the way up. And it looks well. Do they, make, do they make it for the inside corners too? That's a good question. No, they don't. But I don't really think you need, if you want, just use a very insignificant piece of PVC trim at the yeah. inside corner and, and just paint noticeable. it. Yeah. The, only, the only thing about Hardy that is, that, that is not good is their paint. Like their match, their quote unquote matching paint. Yeah. If you if you drive down a street and you can see all of the imperfections, because that paint will fade a much different color than the rest of the siding, and it will stick out like a sore thumb. On Hardy, one last install tip for me is just uh, you know it is really worth it to put the drainage to give yourself some drainage behind the hardy. There's any number of ways to do it. You can, you can certainly run a pressure treated uh, strapping vertically, you know, perpendicular to the lap siding, but you want to give water an opportunity to dry that gets behind it. Dan, Ray, your, your thoughts? So you're not nailing it directly to your zip? My zip. No, I'm, I'm trying to hold it off. And there's, there's a couple other good products. Keen, K-E-N-E makes a really good product. Think of like a Brillo sponge in your sink yeah. that rolls out in like 300 foot rolls. You could even use sill seal like you use uh, between the foundation and your sill plate and just run that. We used the Keen product when we were doing that vertical cedar on our, on our last build. Do you remember what it was called? It's like... Yeah. I'd have to look up the, yeah. the invoice. Yeah. It worked, it worked well. And it, was, it was actually fairly easy to install. Our guys didn't have any complaints about it. I think the key is you get you get a professional siding installer because you know I, I think that just bothers me in general is just the contractors that try to do it all 
and try and generalize to get the whole job rather than just, I know this is a different topic, but it's all about the install, right? Oh, you're right. And it goes back to, remember we had jail done on the pod and he sort of said like, love it when you pull up next to a truck that says painting, gutters, decks, additions, (laughs) house cleaning. Yeah. I'm definitely not hiring a house Lands- a landscaping. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Tailoring. Yeah. Shoe adjustments. Because they actually they'll have a bunch of other little tips and tricks and hacks that you'll never find elsewhere. You know. Although YouTube and TikTok are doing a good job of exposing them, we actually just learned a couple little tricks in terms of how to adjust some interior doors for those pesky little door swings that the uncontrollable door swings. You just gotta bend your pin a little bit and oh, uh, yeah. there's a little pro tip for you. you create a little more friction i saw that yeah so uh unfortunately we had a couple doors in our our office here that weren't acting nicely so we made some manual adjustments good on you guys <laughs> um the, the product from keen that i just referenced is called easy fur easy dash f-u-r rollable furring strip and uh oh but that's not the sponge the rest not the rain screen it's that sponge that you space 16 inches on center and then... Oh, so our product was different that we got. It was like, it, it rolled it out, but it was like, it wasn't strips. It was like almost like one whole... Oh, yeah, like a mesh, like a full yeah. mesh. Yeah. yeah, this is just like a four-inch wide strip that you're going to space. But um, anyway, I think that's a, that's a good place to leave it. I think next time we do this, we should get into some structural discussion. Uh, there's a lot we of... We can finish up. There. We can jump back and finish up the interior stuff and then jump into structural. Like it. Thanks Maybe for sticking mechanical. with us, guys. And yeah. Let us know if, if there's anything else you'd like to hear or anything else that you want us to discuss. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing. And we will catch you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. See you.